0: Well, I'm going to ask you to stand to your feet, if you would, one more time, and take a look up at the screens, because I'd like us to read aloud together the glorious pronouncement that an angel gave to a group of startled and surprised shepherds on a Judean hillside 2,000 years ago on that first Christmas night from Luke chapter 2, verses 10 and 11. Let's read aloud together. And the angel said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people, run to you, is born this day in the city of David, a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And now would you join hands with those around you? And I'd like to offer a prayer on our behalf, if I might. Lord Jesus, we praise you, Lord, for being our Savior, for leaving the glories of heaven and coming to earth 2,000 years ago for leaving the applause of heaven and the worship of angels and coming and being born in a manger, living a perfect life, and then shedding your blood that we might be saved. And we thank you for the body of Christ that you have formed and brought us together as brothers and sisters that we might love and care for one another and share your love amongst each other, Lord. It is a true privilege, and we worship you for it today. And Lord, you know my prayer today is that you would pour your joy out on your people. Lord, we need your joy. Open our eyes to it today. And we bless your name in Christ's name. Amen. 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 And you can be seated. The angel said, I bring you good tidings of great joy, great joy. You now I've been thinking a lot lately about joy. I think it first came up a couple months ago when uh, I went through my annual evaluation here, which we do around here, and um, one of the evaluators kind of rated me a little bit low in some areas and made this summary statement, Pastor Steve needs to have more joy. And, uh, you know, my first reflex reaction from reading that was kind of defensive, like, joy, huh? You want to see some joy? I'll show you some joy. (laughs) But you know what they say, always delete your first response. So I deleted that one and thought about it some more, and actually I came to the conclusion that they were right. (laughs) That somehow over the months I had let the weight of responsibility and pressure that's on my life, and many of you have the same thing as well, I'd let it kind of press the joy right out of my heart. And I wasn't full of the joy of God. It had actually been a while since my heart had been full. And what I discovered is that I had let some joy robbers come and steal my joy, steal away one of Christ's most wonderful gifts to me, And it took getting dinged on an evaluation to open my eyes to it. And so I'm on a mission these days to recover the joy of my salvation, the joy of knowing Christ. As John Piper has written, to fight for joy. Because his joy in me is worth fighting for. And I'm wondering, maybe this Christmas season, this time that's supposed to be a season full of joy, how many of you are feeling the same way I was feeling? Where's the joy? I, I thought this was supposed to be a time of year where my heart was just full, and where is it? And, and maybe you're like I was, lacking joy. You know, there's this uh, cool verse in 2 Corinthians 1, verse 24, where Paul writes, Not that we lorded over your faith, but we work with you for your joy. I love the way the King James Bible says it. It says, We are helpers of your joy. You know, I think one of my jobs as a pastor is to help you enjoy your Christian life. Not just endure it, not just tolerate it, not just kind of grunt your way through it, but really enjoy it. And I want to do that today. I want to help your joy. And you know, joy is kind of important. I'm understanding this more and more. Joy matters. Where your joy meter is today matters. matters. It really does, for many, many reasons. You know, the Bible says the joy of the Lord is our strength. And to me, that means no joy, no strength. I need the joy of God flowing into my heart for me to feel strong enough to make it through my days and my weeks. And I suspect you're the same way. Joy matters for many reasons. But let me just share with you this one. You know, I got to thinking, and I think this is true, what you enjoy the most... You will end up glorifying the most. What you enjoy the most, you'll end up glorifying the most. Let's say that you're just wild about Mongolian barbecue. And you just love it. You enjoy going there, taking people there, meeting people there for lunch. You're just wild about it. It just brings great joy to your heart to go to Mongolian barbecue. And, you know, you you go there, and if someone's never been there, you say, oh man, you got to go. I mean, you get in there and they give you this bowl and you get to just heat this bowl up full of stuff and you go through this line and pile it on and then, then you hand it to these guys and they throw it on this grill and then they do their thing like this and sing to you and throw it all back to you and it's great. <laughs> I love it. I enjoy it. And, and because you enjoy it so much, you become like a walking, talking billboard for Mongolian barbecue. And everybody that knows you you know, and here as you talk about it, starts to get the idea that Mongolian barbecue is great and its fame starts to spread. And you know what you're doing? You're glorifying Mongolian barbecue. Because you glorify most that which you enjoy the most. But you know what? God has called you and called me to glorify Jesus Christ. And joy is important today because if you're not enjoying Jesus Christ, if you're not enjoying His life in you, then you're not really going to be glorifying Him and talking about Him and becoming a walking, talking billboard for how great Jesus is. Your joy matters today. My joy matters today. I want to just remind you that the Bible says a lot about how Jesus wants you and I to have His joy. It's all over the place. I've been reminding myself of certain scriptures lately, those that I, I've memorized in the past, but they're coming alive once again. Like John 15, 11. Where Jesus said, I have told you this so that my joy might be in you and your joy might be complete. John 17, 13, where he said, I, I say these things while I'm still here in the world so that they may know the full measure of my joy within them. Or John 16, where he said to his disciples, I will see you again and you will rejoice and no one will take away your joy. And what about Philippians 4, 4? Rejoice! In the Lord always, again, I say, rejoice. And I can say with confidence today that it's God's great delight. It brings his heart great delight when his people are filled with his joy. If you want that today, I urge you to do what I've been doing recently and take to heart several important truths about joy. And you can pull that study guide out. And I want to give you four this morning to just think about and ponder and consider. And the first is this. I think we need to be reminded this Christmas season, and it's a great time to talk about it, that there is great joy in having a Savior. Great joy in having a Savior. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior. Those were the glad tidings of great joy. There's joy in having a Savior. As one of our favorite Christmas songs says, Joy to the world, the Lord has come. The Lord has come. You know, Christmas should be a time of great joy because it should remind us of how privileged we are that God sent us a Savior. Problem is, though, in our world, many people in our culture don't really think they need a Savior. So Christmas is limited to the fleeting happiness of just having a few days off work, gathering maybe with friends and family, exchanging presents, and eating a lot. And that's it. So many are missing the true joy of Christmas because they don't really understand at a heart level that Christmas is a celebration of God giving us his greatest gift to meet our deepest need, Savior. Think of it like this. Let's say you walked into work tomorrow. Is anybody working tomorrow? Yes. Okay, lots of you. Okay. So let's say you walk into work tomorrow and you go up to a coworker and you say, hey, co-worker? I bring you good tidings of great joy today because I hold in my hands a highly acclaimed wonder drug that has recently been proven to completely cure ALS, Lou Gehrig's disease, and believe it or not, I'm offering it to you today as a free gift. What would their response be? Would they burst into tears, crumple to the ground, hug your feet, kiss your feet, have overflowing joy and say, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you? Or would they look at you with a puzzled look on their face and say, huh? Uh, Thanks, I guess. What would be the deciding factor? What would be the determining factor in the level of their joy? What would it be? Whether or not they had the disease. And more precisely, whether or not they knew that they had the disease. Let me say this. The most joy-filled people at Christmas are those who understand that God sent a Savior who cured the universal disease of sin. Many of you are in that category. At some point in your life, through a work of God, you became deeply aware that you were born with it, with the deadly... Seemingly incurable disease of sin, and that sin was having a degenerative effect on you and on everything about you, your behavior, your relationships, and it was certainly blocking you from having any sort of relationship with your Creator. You became aware of that. You came to realize that the only thing that sin really entitled you to is death and separation from God for eternity and through the work of the Holy Spirit in you, it dawned on you that apart from having a Savior in your life, you were doomed. Apart from Christ. And then by the grace of God, He opened your eyes to the fact that there is indeed a Savior. That baby born in Bethlehem's manger 2,000 years ago, carried within His own body, His own lifeblood, the cure for sin. He lived a perfect life suffered, bled, and died on an old rugged cross and made salvation possible for you. And when it all got real personal for you, do you remember that day? When it all came crashing into your heart and it got personal and you repented and turned from your sins and turned to Christ and bowed your knee and put your faith in Jesus Christ, then joy came in like a flood. Isn't that right? Do you remember that day? And these days I'm reminding myself of the great joy that there is in being saved, in having a Savior, Christ the Lord. And as I do, I'm watching my joy meter go up because I'm saved through the blood of Jesus Christ, Christ the Lord. There's joy in having a Savior. Second, there's a second avenue of joy I'm being reminded of lately, and that's this the Bible says the fruit of the Spirit is love joy the second one is this there is great joy in surrendering control to the holy spirit who dwells within us and this one's kind of counterintuitive to us humans i think we tend to believe if i can just control everything in my world if i can just control everything in my environment so that everybody does what i want them to do then i'll have great joy if I can just make it happen. Even at Christmas time, some of us think this way. I'm going I'm to make everything be just perfect and then it'll be all wonderful and joyful and everything. How many of us have discovered that life often doesn't work out that way? And it's true, isn't it? Sometimes even the events that we had the highest hopes for turn out to be the greatest disappointments because our expectation was that if we could just control everything, we could make it turn out just right. It's an epiphany for some people when they come to grips with the truth that while they can control some things in life, there are certain other things they cannot control, most notably people, other people. Try as we might, we just do not have the ability to control other people. And so, this Christmas season, if you go ahead and invite Uncle Hobart and Aunt Bertha to your family Christmas gathering... They're probably going to complain like they always do about your kids' behavior and embarrass you and complain about the food. Even though you dropped a bunch of hints about keeping their mouths shut this year. And if you let it, it can make you you frustrated. It can steal your joy. But it doesn't have to. Why not make this year the year that you release the controls of your life to God? Why not let God be God and you his servant instead of trying to reverse those roles? And just say, you know, God, you run the universe. So I'm going to, I'm going to surrender my life to you and, and let you control things and let you run things. I'm, I'm tired of trying to do it myself. It's sucking the joy out of me, to be honest. So I'm trusting you. you. You run my life. I'm telling you what, there's great joy in surrendering control to the Holy Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit is joy. You need that this year, don't you? I do. I need the joy of God flowing into me. There's a third thing I want to mention to you. It might sound kind of weird or be a little controversial. Just stay with me on it, okay? Seeking God's kingdom first, number three, includes pursuing and protecting our joy. About a month, month and a half ago or so, kind of right after that little evaluation thing, I was sitting down with a friend and and we were talking, and it was one of those timely conversations. It, It was like I was in the frame of mind to hear what he was saying to me. And he said, Steve, think about these verses that you know, like Matthew 6.33. These verses about the kingdom of God. Matthew 6.33, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you as well. I said, yeah, I know that verse. He said in that one in Luke 17 where it says, once having been asked by the Pharisees when the kingdom of God would come, Jesus replied, the kingdom of God does not come with your careful observation, nor will people say, here it is, or there it is, because the kingdom of God is within you. I said, okay, I know that verse. He said, yeah, but what about that one in Romans 14 where it says, the kingdom of God is not a matter of food or drink, but righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. And I said, "I, I know all those verses. But my, my synapses weren't firing. I wasn't connecting the dots. He said, let me, "Let me take some statements and put them together for you. Seek first the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is within you. The kingdom of God is joy in the Holy Spirit. Do you see it? And I'm like, "I don't help me out even more." He said, "Look, seeking first the kingdom of God in me means seeking to live in the joy of the Holy Spirit." Seeking to live in the kingdom of God in me means seeking to live in the joy of the Holy Spirit. Seek first the kingdom of God. Now, in my life, I'd always thought that primarily focused on getting as many people as possible to get into the kingdom of God, and that's certainly important. But what the dawning realization I had was that what it's saying is that when we ask Jesus Christ to be the king in our hearts, seek his kingdom first, That he wants to flood our hearts with his joy and that that's worth pursuing and protecting. Because the kingdom of God is within us. I don't know if that's striking you like it struck me. Because it was like, oh, that means that God wants me to pursue his joy in me and to protect his joy in me. Because that matters. But now you know there's people that you know who really think it's kind of unspiritual for you to be joyful. Do you know anybody like that? These are folks who are like, you know, in this life we need to be like intense and serious and driven and focused. And It's like, well, and there is some truth to that. This life is serious, but I don't think it's spiritual to just suck the joy out of other people. Do you? Just siphon people's joy away. I want to say to you today that God wants you to pursue His joy, His joy in you. The joy of the Lord is my strength. No joy, no strength. And I began to realize that what had happened in me is I had let some joy robbers in, some joy thieves come in and steal away that prized possession that is a gift to me from Jesus Christ. You know what joy robbers are, right? There's all kinds of them. An email with an edge on it. A side swipe comment from somebody. Pressure mounting at work. A relationship issue. Stress with your marriage partner. Your kids mess up. These things happen and I was finding in my life that that I was letting these things steal my joy, rob me of of joy, my joy in God. Just out and out, steal it. And then there's these other things, not... Well, I guess we could talk about people who are joy robbers, but we don't want to spend too much time on that. But then there are these things that I just call yokes. You know, the ways of thinking that have been ingrained in us for Maybe years or decades, and and they're just yokes. Oh, Pastor Steve, you need to have more joy. Well, how can I have joy when I'm wearing this yoke? (laughs) And we have these things, don't they? Don't we? They're heavy. They weigh on us. Say, what do you mean? Well, how about this one? The yoke of performance-based love. That way of thinking that says, I got to perform well in order to be loved in order for people to love me you know what that's a yoke and if you've you know accepted and received that yoke in your life that's going to siphon the joy right out of your heart the success yoke in our culture you know paints a picture of success you got to be this to really have made it man that's a yoke And we have these yokes, and Satan's got a whole warehouse full of these yokes. He's not real particular about which one he uses, just whichever one works. And sucks your joy. And I got to realizing this, you know what? If the yoke that I am wearing is not easy and light, it's not Jesus' yoke. Because he said, my burden is easy and my yoke is light. And so many of us are walking around with these heavy yokes that have been given to us over the years, maybe from others, and we've accepted them and we wear them around and it just sucks the joy right out of us. Joy robbers. When I got to thinking about it, I realized, you know what, just about every day there's standing on my doorstep a joy robber of some sort. who's just waiting for me to open the door. Let him, come on in, yes, steal my joy. Sure, plunder my goods you know go for it all of my spiritual riches in christ but i'm realizing i don't have to open the door i can slam the door in the face of the joy robbers i can by god's strength break the yokes and cast them off and say you know what god's joy in me is too important to let joy robbers steal his joy in me i'm not going to do it the joy of the lord is my strength In his presence, his fullness of joy. I've got to have that. I've got to have his joy. Or I'm not going to be good for myself or for anybody else. And so there's this permission that I've felt and felt that God wanted to extend to all of us. Permission to pursue and protect the joy of God in you. As John Piper says, fight for joy. It's worth fighting for. Seek first the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is within you. The kingdom of God is joy in the Holy Spirit. When I'm letting Jesus sit on the throne of my heart and be my king, then his joy is free to flow in me. This was a realization for me. And by his grace, I'm I'm starting to live in it. Well, the final thing I want to say about joy today is this. Joy and generosity are related. Joy is related to generosity. There is great joy in expressing God's generosity to others. We were introduced to this concept last weekend. when We learned about these Macedonian churches that Paul was writing to and their joy and their generosity. Remember in 2 Corinthians 8.2, it says, Out of the most severe trial, their overflowing joy and their extreme poverty welled up in rich generosity. Their joy-filled hearts produced generosity. I think it's instructive to understand that in the Bible, in the original language of the New Testament, the words grace and joy are related. Did you know this? The original Greek word for grace is charis. Say that. Charis. The word for joy is kara. Say that. Kara. Karis. Kara. Grace. Joy. They are linked. They are related. When we receive God's grace, truly, he fills our hearts with his joy and then we in turn want to extend grace and generosity to others. It's like a cycle of grace and joy. There's great joy and generosity. After our message last week, a guy from church emailed me this week, and he said, hey, there's a show on TV you ought to watch if you haven't watched it. It's on Fox, and it's called Secret Millionaire. Anybody seen this show? A few of you? And I'd never seen it, but uh, he whet my appetite for it, so I recorded it, and then my sons and I sat down and watched it on, on Friday night. And uh, it's kind of one of these reality shows. You know What they do is they go out and they find a multimillionaire who's living a plush, opulent lifestyle, and what they do is they contract with him to leave all that for a week and go live among people who are really struggling and suffering and having a difficult time. And, and through that, let their eyes be open to the needs in the world. And at the end of the week, they challenge these very wealthy people to give away at least $100,000 of their fortune to needy persons or, needy, or causes that are helping needy folks. And so we sat down to watch this show, and it was about this guy named Greg who, very, very wealthy guy, you know, multi-millionaire many times over, lives in this incredible, you know, 7,500 foot, 100 square foot mansion and all of these cars and all this stuff. And at the beginning, they interview him and he's like, yeah, I think, you know, you ought to have a place that kind of reflects where you are in the world. And, you know, he's just kind of going on about himself. And then he packs up these belongings and heads off to this uh, seedy part of another town where people are just struggling. I mean, just living hand to mouth, and he's not seen stuff like this before. He's he's insulated himself from all that kind of life. But he goes through this week, and he meets people that, although they are impoverished, their hearts are full. And there's a, he discovers even some community, you know, in that setting that he didn't expect to find there. And he finds that his heart gets touched by what he sees. And so it comes down to the end of the week, and at the end of the week, you know, he gets—it's kind of the last day. So he gets all dressed up, and he goes back to some people that he's decided about to give some money to, and he goes to them, and, and he, he basically says, "I need to tell you something. I've been lying to you all week. I've been posing as someone that I'm not. And and he says, um, in actuality, I'm a multimillionaire, and he's written out these monstrous checks." And he goes to these people that have touched his heart by their, their perseverance and their spirit. And he says, I just want to give you this check because I believe in you. And I believe in your future. And I want to be a part of your future and, and how you're going to be used to make a difference in this world. And, of course, these people are just, they just crumble. You know, they just start bawling and... and um, At the end of the show, he invites his brother to come in and and help him make these decisions. And when it's all over, and he's given out $150,000 to some very needy people and some, some organizations, they're getting in this limo, driving back home, and he looks over at his brother and he says, you know what, I think I've just done the best thing that I've ever done in my whole life. And he breaks into this big smile, and he said, you know, not only... It was my generosity able to make a difference in other people's lives. But he said, this whole experience has changed me at my core immensely. And uh, my sons and I are watching this, you know, and we're on the edge of tears. And my youngest son goes, that's what I want to do when I get old. I want to do that. <laughs> and I'm like, what, make millions of dollars to give it away? And he's like, yes, both. I want to make all that money and then go and just bless people and give money away and, and see them just, you know, beam with joy. And have that joy fill my own heart. I'm like, you don't have to wait till you've earned $50 million. You can start with the five that you have or the 50 that you have. And he has started that. And gave away, I think, 30 or 40 bucks just this week of his own money from his little job that he has just to bless other people. I'm like, that is cool. There's joy and generosity. I remember the first time I experienced it. It was a Christmas I think of my 16th birthday, and you know, up until then, you know how when you're a kid, you don't have your own money. So to get Christmas presents, you kind of gotta get money to buy presents for the people who gave you the money. (laughs) It's just kind of that kind of a deal. And but when I was 16, I had a job at a gas station. I finally had my own money, and for the first Christmas, I was able to go out to some department store, you know, Montgomery Wards or something that's not around anymore. And for the women in my life, my two sisters and my mom, I found some slippers, some fuzzy slippers, some vintage 70s era, ugly pink, fuzzy slippers, monstrous things like this. But I was so excited about it, you know, it's like I'm buying gifts for for my sisters and my mom with my own money and I wrapped them all up and put them in boxes and everything. And on Christmas morning, I just couldn't wait. Because this is the first Christmas where I'd actually use my own money to to give something to people that I cared about. And they tore into it, and opened them up, and the slippers kind of, I remember, just popped out of the box. It was just kind of those kinds of things. And they just were beaming, you know, and they put these things on and they started walking around and in all honesty, they looked like, you know, um, I don't even know what to call them. Pink porcupines trying to pass each other, you know. And, and they were so happy and proud and I just felt good inside, like hmm, this is different than I've felt before. Last week, um, we had an open house over here in our office area, and several people who came into my office pointed up at a a KFC bucket that uh, I keep in there. And they're like, well, what's that about? Are you just like a fan of the kernel and crispy, you know, original recipe? And it's like, yeah, but that's not why I keep it in here. I keep it in here to remind me of an incident that happened in my life when I was in college when I really felt the joy of generosity. I remember it was my sophomore year in college and uh, Christmas break came around and I didn't have any money and I thought, you know, instead of going home this Christmas, I'm going to stay and work to earn some money. So I did. I earned about 400 bucks, I think, over that Christmas break. And then in January, the students started to come back and one of my friends was a guy named Dana Pope. And Dana was a uh, on-fire, redheaded guy from North Carolina who was studying to be a pastor. And uh, he came back that January, and I remember he kind of sidled up to me. He said, hey, I just wanted you to know I've, I've come back on faith because I don't have any money, <laughs> and uh, but I really believe God wants me here and wants me to complete my training here. And so he shared that with me and, and with some other guys. And I was in the shower one night and just... Showering, and I—I I sense the voice of God speaking to me as clear or clearer than I ever heard God speak to me before. You ever had that happen, like crystal clear? Steve, take a hundred bucks from that four hundred that you earned, and I want you to give it to Dana, so he can stay in school because I got plans for that guy. So I'm like, okay, I will do that. God, finished up my shower, went back to my room, got my cash, little stash of cash there, pulled a hundred bucks out. Ugh, it hurt, you know. That's a lot of money. And somebody in our our room had one of these, and I just wiped it out first and then (laughs) threw my 100 bucks in there. So I'm standing there with it, and then I sensed again the Lord saying, go take a collection. Just go door to door in the dormitory here. 24 rooms, 65 guys. Go take a collection. I'm going to do something here. So I'm like, cool. So I start going door to door, knocking on doors. Hey! You know, Dana down the hall in room 17 or whatever room he was in, you know, God's got him here, but he came back by faith this semester. He doesn't have any money, and the business office has told him if he doesn't have 750 bucks in their hands by this Friday, he's got to go home. I think God wants him here, don't you? And they're like, you know, throwing in 50 cents. These are college students. They got no money. You know, dollar 5 I do remember one guy threw in a $50 bill, and we're like, whoa, that's a $50 bill. And one of the cool things that happened is I went door to door to door to door. The, the gang with me grew. It's like people got excited about this. By the time we got to the last door, you know, we're knocking on the door, the guy opens the door, and there's like 12 guys standing there. Hey, cough it up, you know, we got a good cause here. Throw some dough in there. We want to keep Dana in school. And they're throwing in money. And so we're all excited, this whole, you know, posse of guys. We go back to my room, we dump it out on the floor, we count all this change in dollars and fives and everything it was $840, I think. And we're like, yes. yes. And the joy of God just flooded my soul. It's like, this is cool. I not only like being generous, I like inspiring generosity in others. But we concocted this little scheme to kind of increase the drama factor. So Thursday night in hall meeting, okay, there's 60 guys sitting in this hall late at night and the RA gets up there and he calls up Dana. He says, Dana, come on up here all you guys know that this young man has come back on faith this semester and really wants to complete his study for the ministry? And we don't always understand the ways of God, you know, but it looks like Dana's going to be going home tomorrow and, you know, he set this all up and, hey, we got this card for you. We just want to, you know, say goodbye. And he opens it up and here's this cashier's check for $840, you know. And Dana starts bawling. (laughs) All these guys start bawling. I'm bawling. And uh, Dana got to stay in school, complete his training. As far as I know, he's in the ministry today. And I remember how that felt. It's like, this is good. I, 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 uh, I want to live my life this way, God. Listening to your voice, responding, saying yes. Giving my life away to bless others. Church, this Christmas season, I want to challenge you to let the joy of God fill your life. Behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. Joy in the fact that you have a Savior, and I hope you have a Savior. If you don't, this is a great, great season to give your life to Jesus Christ. Joy in releasing control of your life and letting the Holy Spirit take over. Joy in pursuing and protecting his joy in you because that's living in the kingdom. And joy in generosity. Joy in giving your life and your resources away to bless other people. And bring them to Christ and build up the kingdom of God. You know, I think just as God intended for his son Jesus to be joy to the world, I think he intends for his people, to be and to bring joy to the world. So let's bow our heads and pray together. You know, as I talked earlier about me kind of losing my joy and letting the joy robbers steal my joy, I could see in your eyes that a number of you, that's, that's your situation too. You know, you come in these holidays and Christmas time and you think, you know, I ought to be really joyful. But I'm not. <laughs> Where did the joy go? And I don't want to embarrass you, but I would like to pray for you if, if that's you today. If, if the Lord's put his finger on a joy robber in your life that has been siphoning away your joy and you see it and you want his strength to just kind of cast that off I'd like to pray for you. Would you lift your hands all around the room? My joy meter is sagging. (laughs) Many, many hands. You can put your hands down. Let me pray for you right now. Lord Jesus, it's true. Your joy is our strength. Oh, how we need it how we need you to fill our hearts, Lord. For some of us, some days, it's just hard to live when we don't have your joy. And so, Lord, I pray, would you come through your Holy Spirit and speak, even in this moment, to those within the sound of my voice who have lost their joy. And would you open their eyes to the particular joy robber or joy robbers that they have allowed entrance into their hearts and has stolen away their joy. And Lord, by your grace and with your strength, would you show them how to break those yokes, how to slam the door shut, how to renew their focus on you? And would you turn that joy spigot on once again and just fill them up? Because Lord... When we're enjoying you like that, then we're glorifying you. And we've become a walking, talking billboard for our great God who fills our lives. Please, Lord, flood this place. Flood these people whom I love with your joy. And we will glorify your holy name. May we truly celebrate your birth in just a few days with hearts full of joy and celebration in our Savior. And I ask this in Christ's precious name. Amen.